It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak here on a Tuesday edition of the podcast to officially crown LSU national champs of the college football world. Ben, what was your favorite part of the evening? I felt like there were so many instances. There were so many plays. There were so many screenshots, faces, happenings that went on with Clemson versus LSU. What was your favorite part of the evening? I like I kept thinking Joe Burrow had done the coolest thing that he had done. And then he would do something else that I was just like, you're the greatest person alive. Whether it was the pointing to the his ring finger as he jogged to the sidelines, it was Go. dancing to neck when he when he was on the exercise bike. Wh- which was, hold on, we got we gotta explain to the people this little side story here. Yes. You didn't know fully what the song Neck was for specifically LSU, LSU, did you not? Yes. And then I was shown a highly elucidatory uh, (laughs) YouTube video, which cleared up the concerns for me. So thank goodness for YouTube that uh, preserves all funny things in time. And we never, ever lose the beauty that is the LSU version, the LSU remix of Neck. I'm just very glad that you at least got to experience what Neck was before LSU officially won the title. Like, like you were ushered into an LSU as national champs world knowing what Neck was. And I just think that every person should have that kind of feeling. So I'm very happy to have shown it to you last night. And so, right, so I, there was like, it was like every thing that Burrow was doing and that LSU was doing was just progressively more fun and cool. And then I wake up this morning to a slow motion video from LSU football of Burrow in his full gear, smoking a cigar, like in like the locker room or like the a waiting lounge or just he's somewhere. I don't know where he is, but he just got, he just got a, a, a cigar. He's leaned back on a couch and he's just living his little his truth he's just living his moment there and it's so like burrow and then the best thing is that like there's all these photos of burrow with like we were making fun of him with his like t-shirt tucked uh, into his athletic shorts and stuff right i can't decide if he's impossibly just dripping with swag or just like incidentally (laughs) so cool like i don't know what he's doing or he's trying i just know that i love him i don't 
the transformation of Joe Burrow is wild because, you know, even from his, his, his time when he was at Ohio State and then, like, going into LSU when I was listening to him talk kind of, like, last year, he was true. Joe Burrow is truly that meme where it's, like, you show back-to-back pictures of him. Like, you show a picture of him from last year and then, like, you would show the picture of him smoking on smoking the cigar on the couch and it would be the transformation of... Joe Burrow turned into I'll have her home by 9.30 to she calls me daddy now. Like, that. this is Joe Burrow. This right. is, like, the evolution that we have seen from him. Because it, it's it's not like... It, yes, the past game coordinator with Joe Brady was an improvement, of course. The offensive weapons, the young offensive weapons, all kind of coming into their own around him. Them having a fantastic offensive line. All of these things definitely played into... His succession and him taking that next step. Don't want to say that. But the main thing with Joe Burrow and with people ask me, has there ever been a prospect that you've ever seen take this kind of a leap? It's hard to think there has been simply because what I point is the main reason why Joe Burrow has is confidence. The man just oozes confidence every time he steps onto the field, no matter what down and distance, no matter what the situation is in the game, no matter what the play call is. You can just tell he believes 100% that he's going to put the ball exactly where it needs to go, and it often does. I I mean, some of those throws last night in the game were incredible. The basket touch passes down the sideline, the anticipation, knowing exactly where he's going to go with the ball at the snap when a defense does a certain thing. This guy has more confidence than any player in college football, and he played like it, and now he's a champion because of it. And so, like, when it comes to, man, just the jump that he has had, it's kind of funny to joke about these things, you know, like him having all this swag after the game. And, you know, on the sideline, they showed him having the handshake with Jamar Chase and with Justin Jefferson, like, didn't miss a beat. Like, one, like a super complicated handshake, didn't even miss a beat. Like, he's talking to him at the same time, basically saying, like, yo, let's go, let's stay focused, blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, his hands are doing, like, all these weird things in sync with this other guy doing a handshake. Wow, so indicative and representative of his play style, where I, in the pocket under pressure, his feet are so active, but he's so cool in his head. See? See? Wow. This is what I'm talking about. It's, it's not just a snap-by-snap thing. This is truly like who Joe Burrow is. And when that is who you are naturally. Now, I would be very, very interested because, and I'd love to get your take on this here. What do you think of the people who are afraid of him being a one-year wonder? Because as, as much as I love the confidence with Joe Burrow, he has not faced it. I don't want to say hasn't faced adversity because they've played tough teams. They've been in tough situations, but he's never lost. Like he's never, he's never, he's never been in on like a losing streak or a situation where you think what might be working truly isn't working and you have to adjust. He has never been through that. Does that worry you at all going into the NFL? Yeah, of course it does. I mean, like it, it, it's the bet. Like you're, there's no perfect prospect quarterback or otherwise. And so you're always going to have something to be worried about. And I think the best thing to be worried about is that he couldn't stop winning is that he never underachieved relative to expectation, like expectation in 2018, like, you know, like transfer guys going to come in. He's going to make the LSU passing offense wake up. He's going to be the best quarterback they've had in a while. 
And like it was, like he did, like it wasn't nearly what we saw this year, but like relative to expectation 2018, like I would not call him a disappointment. He at least met expectation. And then 2019, he obviously drastically exceeded expectation. You're concerned because you don't have breadth, right? You don't have this multiple years to look to and to see how he grew from being a national champion to see what his demeanor was like when he came and, and there was the big target on his back. And, you know, defense had a full offseason. Defensive coach in the SEC had a full offseason to watch Joe Brady film and figure out how they wanted to stop this and that. And then they start throwing him different pitches he's never seen before. But, you know, like he got different pitches from Clemson. He got different pitches from Auburn. And obviously they were able to figure things out enough to the point where they won those football games. That being said, absolutely. Like one year concerns you. That the important subtext there is every prospect has something that's concerning. There's no such thing as a perfect prospect. And no team has ever taken a quarterback number one overall without having at least some doubt. That was, you know, the worst busts. And then that was the wor- the best hits, you know, for, for the number one picked quarterback in the, in, in the class. All of those had doubts and all of those had reasons to believe in them. And so it's not anything new for Burrow that there's, you know, talking points where we can say like, you know, but is this just a flash in a pan? What is he going to be when he's separate from Joe Brady? Mm-hmm. There are always those talking points. You know yeah. I mean? At the end of the day, Cat can sling the pill, and like this—that's from where we start. You know, it's very clear he has a talent. Is—is is he the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck? Somebody, somebody brought that up in in, in one of my group chats that I'm in on Twitter, and I was kind of thinking about it. And you think a lot of the quarterbacks that have that have come through, and I was trying to put myself in the shoes of like where I was before those draft classes. Cause obviously like you have guys like Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and you have players that are really playing well. Obviously you have Lamar Jackson in, in the, uh, in the draft before you have a lot of those guys who have been playing and showed flashes as well. Is Burrow right now the best prospect we've seen since luck was a prospect quarterback. You mean? Yes. Sorry. Yes. I think he is. Yeah. I think he is. So when I grade him, he'll grade out probably better than any quarterback prospect I've ever graded. Highest grade. I gave out like a high one to Rosen and Lamar, um, but he'll probably have a better grade than both. Um, But I've I've only graded about half the quarterbacks since then. He'll definitely grade out above 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. Then Jameis Winston, no. Or Jameis Mariota, not Jameis Winston. Uh, Winston Mariota, no. Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, but I always hate that measure because then it's like now you're 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 expecting him to be Andrew Luck. Well, I'm expecting him to be better than Andrew Luck. Yeah. Well, man, it's tough to be better than Andrew Luck was. I'll tell you what. Um. But I I understand the interest in that, and yeah, like I think so. You know what I mean? I mean, the the more like you know you that framework that you want to use, which is a is a fun framework, you can then throw on other players in this game like isaiah simmons is he the best linebacker prospect we've seen in like the last like three four years talk about talk about people that made some money man it just it not only was simmons you know to his own credit i think he was all over the field it almost seemed like it almost seemed like they were targeting simmons on purpose, like at the beginning of the game, just because of how much action this guy was getting. I I, I thought to myself, I wasn't watching the all 22 angles because we were out at a bar watching it, but 
I'm like, what What are they doing going after Isaiah Simmons? And then our coworker, Jordan Reed, tweets out, through the first three drives, Isaiah Simmons played four snaps at inside linebacker, three snaps at outside linebacker, two, two snaps at slot corner, one at defensive end, and then one even as an outside corner. Yeah, they two- would have him track Thaddeus Moss when they flexed Moss out wide. Dude, he was... I mean, this is what you're talking Might about. Might be good. Here. You know, when when I understand that Joe Burrow had a phenomenal game, and, and we're going to get to the other players that kind of had really good games and were able to show out a little bit. But after Joe Burrow, the talk of the town from this game's got to be Isaiah Simmons. Because I think last night, for the first time, really, and to Simmons' advantage here, I don't think a lot of people watched Clemson this year just because they weren't really ever playing anybody. It was blowouts a lot of the time. Their schedule just wasn't good, even in the ACC championship. But Isaiah Simmons has really been budding into this player that you and I have talked about as kind of a defensive chess piece. Now for an entire month leading up to the college football playoff and the national title, National media has been able to tell you, Isaiah Simmons, Isaiah Simmons, Isaiah Simmons, watch for Isaiah Simmons. And then the first quarter of the national championship, he's literally everywhere. Mm. I've got to think Simmons potentially really did earn top five money last night. Because the way that he was able to play defense and guard the field and guard different players, there's just not a lot of people that we've ever seen that can do it like this guy can at his size. You've got. I've got to think that you you have been a guy who has mocked him as high as number four overall to the Giants. I got to think you felt a little bit more confident about that this morning after that game, huh? I think it helps you understand why, right? Because it's not human to do what he did in the football field, which everybody on the football field is not human, and even Isaiah Simmons among inhumans looks inhuman, right? Like it's he's you know king among kings, like he's he he's the first of all all linebackers. It's it's. Julio Jones playing defense. What I tweeted out during the game, and I've used the analogy before. Like, what's the comparison? The comparison is Julio Jones, just not on offense. On <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's the body type we're dealing with. That's the athleticism we're dealing. You're with. right. You're right. It's right. as if Julio now, Jones was playing linebacker slash safety his entire football right. career. Now, so for your perspective, right? We have the Burrow best quarterback since Luck? Question mark. And Luck was drafted in 2012. Mm-hmm. If you start looking at good linebacker at the top of linebacker classes in every year. Obviously, last year we had Devin White at 5 and Devin Bush at 10. I think you would agree that Simmons is better than both those players on film. Um, Then in 2018, we get to Roquan Smith at 8, Tremaine Edmonds at 16. Here, it depends on how high you had Roquan. A lot of people had Roquan really, really high. So if you're able to get past 2018, we have to go all the way down to 2012 until we get Luke Keekley. So this could be Simmons is the best linebacker prospect since 2012, just the way that Burrow is the best quarterback prospect since 2012. And the comparisons are Andrew Luck and Luke Keekley. So we may have just watched in the national championship, the NFL's next Andrew Luck and Luke Keekley in terms of the value that they're going to bring where they're drafted, which is crazy. Right. And with Simmons, I know that people want to say that, Oh, but you don't have a plan. You don't know what the plan is going to be with him. What's well, what, how are you going to deploy him? You know what I mean? Like that's, why like he may not go that high well yes I, I hear that right because it's not the neatest fit you're not just drafting a prototype and plugging him into a position where you know his prototype has been successful with that said a team is going to synthesize a plan for simmons before they draft synthesize. him and so it's not like 
you know, they're going to draft him at four because he's the best athlete. And then be like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do with him over the next three months. Well, they're going to have a plan of, of, of how they envision him looking in the offense. So hopefully that plan is at least a little bit fluid. It's a little bit bendy on the outside so that as Simmons integrates into the offense, you can change his deployment a little bit because he can do everything. And so it's kind of what your defense needs to an extent. But a, a team is going to have a plan for him and they're going to draft him to enact that plan. And I would imagine if they're drafting him highly, they think he can enact that plan at such a high level that it provides a lot of value to their defense. The titular example being the New York Giants, their complete lack of an inside linebacker and Simmons's ability to you know run sideline to sideline, shut down the run between the tackles, shut down the run on stretch plays, and then obviously cover in short zones literally anybody who comes near him to carry backs out of the backfield man coverage. Middle linebacker is his most natural NFL fit from what we understand in terms of what would be asked of him. So Simmons to four to the Giants makes a lot of sense because the plan makes a lot of sense. And teams are going to synthesize the plan for Simmons. They're going to have one before they draft him. That's why they'll feel comfortable drafting him early. Yeah, by the way, uh, just to note, you talked about Luke Keekley going nine overall in 2012. In case anybody out there forgot, 2012 might be like the best linebacker class of all time. Do you know who else was in that 2012 draft? Um, Don't look it up. Kyle Van Noy. Uh, no, no. Later. No. Um, I don't know. Uh, Bobby Wagner. Okay. Donta Hightower. He's all right. He's average. Whatever. Le- Levante David. Who? I'll kill you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I won't. I love you. But that dude, that draft had <laughs> Donta Hightower, Danny, Luke Kuechly, Bobby Wagner, and Levante round, David man. in it. Danny Trevathan in the sixth round, here Whitehead in the fifth. Demario Davis in the third. That's the key cog for New Orleans. Wow, you're right. This is a group. This is incredible. Um, Let's flip sides, though. Talk about another linebacker, more of the pass rush mold. How do you think Caleb on on did in the national championship? First play of the game. Pops off sides. Gives Clemson the free play. Not, not a great first wow. look. That but was I a think- big, uh, that was a big little, uh, a little, uh, um, red herring there. It sounded like you're about to praise him in the first play of the game. You hit up in the offsides. No, I know, but I, I I brought it up to say that like after that, I thought Chase on not only right. had a good game, but he he certainly had a game where in a matchup of two future NFL rosters, truly, because the game speed at which these two teams played last night was pretty incredible. In a game between it's- two great teams, Chase on not only looked like he could hang. He was one of the more notable names that you continue to say all night because he was popping and because he was affecting the game. What did you think of his performance? And and that's the thing is like, I think in my opinion, he continued to show the traits that he's already showed in previous games. So it's not like I watched Chase and I was like, you know, oh my gosh, who is this guy? It's like, oh my gosh, Jason's doing what Chase and things are. You know what I mean? He's rushing at unbelievable angles. He's winning immediately off the snap with quickness. That's why, you know, like I, we talked about him on the on the Mock Draft Monday podcast. I had him at 11 going to the Jets because we have physical tools here that we don't typically see. Um, the the Clemson offensive tackles are big dudes. Those are the guys that Chasen has historically picked on really successfully at the, at the college level. He continued to do so. Michael Divinity, his running mate who's been in and out of the program, also did very much the same. I remember you and I were shocked by how Divinity was getting off the ball on some third downs. He also had his fair He was jumping some snaps, size. though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he jumps. Snap. He, he jumps. Quickness, yeah, and and he has it. Um, so right, Chasen's a guy who's been rising throughout the process, and so you're just a little bit more in tune to him throughout the game. It is always fun to watch him like 
you know, be a short zone player, make tackles 15 yards down the field that he has no business making when he's that good of an edge rusher. But that's the kind of versatility that he brings. If you're a team that wants to, you know, blitz from depth and drop some of your online and scrimmage linemen, like that's what Chasen's able to give you because he's so versatile. I thought he had a good game, man. I thought he yeah. really stood out. And it's been great because I think that we went into the season saying, hey, Chason's got a lot of raw ability, although because of the injury we haven't been able to see on it this year, He's kind of got to pull pull it all together. It was like a do-or-die situation for him, and I thought he really did. I really did. T. Higgins' game. Secondary. I want to go LSU secondary versus kind of Clemson's offense here. Yeah. T. Higgins. I thought he had a really good game. I really did. I thought he had a lot of standout plays, kind of plays that you could watch him make in the NFL, going up against a really good secondary. Him and Fulton had a lot of battles going on in this game. And I was very thankful for the coaching staff for setting this up just for draft Twitter, because I know they did this just for us, we got the two draft-eligible players of Christian Fulton and T. Higgins up against each other for this game. And then they also primarily had Derek Stingley Jr. and Justin Ross against each other, who are not draft-eligible yet, but both will be over the next two years. So I was very thankful that they gave us the actual draftable matchup of Fulton and Higgins for a good portion of this game. Was there a guy in that 1v1 all game that you thought really won the battle there? Because I got to I gotta admit, you know, I haven't been super high on Higgins as the year has gone on. As of the last two months, I have at least really seen what he's been able to do. I still think he, it, it, it's tough for him to turn. It's tough for him to be a little bit flexible. He doesn't separate naturally. He doesn't have that kind of speed, but he is a big body when it comes to catching through traffic, plucking balls out of the air. I I really think that this guy showed his stuff the last couple of months. Who do you think got the better of the matchup between Higgins and Fulton? You just feel bad because Higgins got called for that blindside block he shouldn't have been called for. I super feel bad for that because he laid that dude out, and what more do you want him to do? What more do you want him to do? Huh. Cook. Stand there? Right, yeah. Set a pick? Yeah, you got to do the whole, like, arms out to your side. Accidentally, I fell backwards into him sort of move. You so know? dumb, man. There were a couple penalties in the games last night where I was just like, let him play. Yeah, I agree. A lot of big plays were adjusted by penalty. Come that's on. Yeah, but, yeah, Fulton Fulton also big boy the crap out of Justin Ross later in the game and got flagged for it, which yeah. is bull crap. But. Ross pulled the, there's no way I'm getting to this ball, so I'll just start asking for a penalty. Yeah, early. just like threw his hands up, motioned his body. You love to see it from a sophomore. It's good situational awareness. Listen. That's very true, the, too. The, the vocal majority on Twitter said that Higgins was beating Fulton up around the yard. I disagree. Nah, Higgins got nah, some nah, on nah, Fulton. Nah. Fulton got some on Higgins. Yeah, you way have closer to be able than to that. Right. You have, like, if this was your first time really focusing on the LSU corners, yeah, you're going to look and see that Fulton is consistently not pressing at the line. And then when a receiver stems downfield, he's playing from the trail. Seems like he's getting toasted off the line. He's really not. This is how Fulton likes to play. This is how they deploy Fulton most typically. He got snapped off when he was in the half turn in like, you know, like a rotating coverage. Not good in the half turn. Very few corners get in the half turn. The half turn absolutely sucks. Um, and that's, that doesn't fit Fulton's profile well. I don't think he's nearly as much experience. Well, it works if you can't backpedal. Yeah, right, exactly. But Fulton's probably one of the best soft shoe motor players I've seen in a couple of years in terms of on the line of scrimmage as a corner. 
So when they let him do that, right, he's just he's he's mirroring in front of Higgins. He's not generating a, a displacement. He's not trying to throw him off his route. He's just trying to stand between him and downfield, force him into a release move, stay connected to him, be able to break on any short breaking stuff. So he's in the trail position for these deep routes. But then as the deep ball is coming, he's right on Higgins's back. He's right on Justin Ross's back. And he's causing disruption by being physical with them, by creating contact. Most of it is incidental. Most of it is, is not going to get called. It got called in one example early in the game where I thought it really shouldn't have been called pass interference. But so he's he's got every right to that football. He's trying to play through their body. He's playing physical. It makes it very difficult to, to concentrate, catch, and get to a ball. They had a deep completion on him on, like, the first drive. There was just a beautiful pass by Lawrence. I mean, like, Lawrence hit Ross in stride on the outside shoulder. There are some things you can't do anything about. And, and you know, if you don't believe me, Clemson defense played well, Burrow threw 500 yards or whatever. Like, you know, it's like this is, this is you know, sometimes you're just playing a good quarterback. Um, but then what Fulton's technique allows him to do is win that slant route to the point where it should have been an interception, should not have been called for DPI. He, in that position, that soft shoe position, controlled and ran the route the whole way for Ross and then undercut him because he saw the ball arrive first. And that's what makes Fulton special when he's in that deployment, uh, is that he sees the throw before the, the receiver does and he's able to adjust to it like he's a true wide receiver. That's a tough catch. A lot of corners, ball hits him in the hand, and then it hits the ground. Fulton's going down, catching the ball up against his chest. It's impressive stuff. Uh, so I thought, like, Fulton got beat on a couple of plays and won his couple of plays. The refs interfered and, and, and adjudicated it in a way that I, I didn't agree Adjudicated? With. Yes. A word made famous but, by John Wick 3. I don't know who that is. Have you never seen any of the John Wick movies? Oh, John Wick 3. Oh, okay. I haven't seen John Wick 3. Okay. Um, Have you seen I the first like, two? Yeah. Okay. They're, in John Wick 3, one of the main bad guys is is somebody who calls himself an adjudicator. Like, that's their title. And I genuinely, I don't think I'd ever heard that word before the movie. And I feel like that's the case for most people, too. And But uh, now I, I know very well what the word adjudication and uh, who an adjudicator is. So, Venus. great word. So, anyway, so I thought I liked Fulton's film. The player who stood out to me in terms of a performance that I, I did think was like across the board of a certain quality. AJ Terrell had a good opening couple reps against Jamar Chase. This Jamar Chase, this is the Clemson corner. Um, and then eventually Chase just started working him. And Chase is, is, is Bolitnikoff award winner. You know what I mean? Like this is not like he's getting beat by a scrub. I acknowledge that. But with Terrell physically, the ability to transition to 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 click and close, just the speed at which Chase plays relative to the speed at which Terrell plays, two different games, sort of a situation. And that's why Chase was able to get deep on, on Terrell on more than a few occasions, even if Burrow wasn't able to connect with him every single time. Um, that, that you know, this was comfortably uh, a win for Chase, I think, across at least the last three quarters, if not more so. Terrell is still a fine player, but this is why you don't lock him in as like a, oh, you know, top 50 pick, going to be able to handle starters in the league because – and Jamar Chase is going to be a starter in the league, and, and, and Terrell had issues with him when left on an island. That's what Clemson had to do defensively. Eventually, you got to be able to play one on one on the outside when you know you're getting those nine balls. And, and, and very few teams are as well equipped as they were with him and then the sophomore number one on the other side. Those are good outside corners, just Jamar Chase is a, is a handful and a half. And so he, he broke off um, uh, uh, Terrell on more than one occasion. Like I said, Terrell's still a fine player, oh. but. You're going to look back at the Terrell film and just be like, yeah, this kid was physically outmatched. Last guy I want to talk about, Grant Delpit. 
what are we making of Grant Delpit at this point? Because there were a couple plays that he made that I thought were really nice. Uh, coming down and laying the hit on T. Higgins is is something physical. I feel like I haven't seen him do much this season that I felt like he did a decent amount last year that I just was missing from his film a lot this year. We saw him, what was it, on... Was it the ETN end around? How did that how did that play go where it just looked like Delpit? He just took a bad initial angle for he, play. He took ETN a terrible so angle and then didn't the play. and then didn't didn't really care to get back in the play. That's ugly stuff, man. I one play does not make a prospect, but it's it's not one play anymore with Delpit. I I can't He's disappointing me this year. And I think simply because, you know, I, I was a guy who had him as my number one overall player going into the season and the summer. And I had a lot of high hopes for him. And, you know, even with him playing as a safety, and we know safeties don't get drafted high. I still thought he was going to be a top 10 pick. Maybe he could, but I think he's much more mid back end of the first round right now. What do you think? What do you think Delpit's stock is like, knowing what he can do and what we saw here in 2019? I don't like, I, I mean, like, Delpit was a, oh, I think a top five player, you know, maybe potentially, uh, you know, whatever. I always had him in, in my top 10 of prospects. He's outside of my top 10 now, but he's not outside of my top 20. It is a pretty standard play. is not exactly as good as it was last season, but you're still a very fine player. You're still going to be around one player. You know what I mean? This is why calibrating expectations is important because we all love Delpit coming into the season. And you watch Delpit film this year. It's not as good as it was last season, but if you had just watched this season's film of Delpit, you'd be like, that's a first-round player, right? So you have to be able to say, even though he's worse, he's still a first-round guy because you still have versatility on the back and you still have great ball skills. You have tre- tremendous range from single high, which range from single high is the most, uh, uh, you know, valuable thing in the world, right? Like, you know, like, like if you have a guy who can play single high safety, your defense really, really opens up the playbook. All of that is available with Delpit. And so, yeah, he's not like the best guy in run support. I can point to a lot of long-term starting safeties in the league who are just not the best dude in run support, you know? And like, I can also find plays where that's been a problem for their defense, but you can still find impact plays for them as well. So this is, you know, circling back to Burrow, imperfections in every prospect. I think Delpit's still a very good player. I think Delpit's still going to go round one. I think he's still going to make a team happy. He's not Jamal Adams, but that's okay. Nobody else is either. It's a good point. It's a good point. Man, this point I get in Delpit. But I still think, obviously, a down year for whatever reason it was. I think he's still a very talented dude. Um, I know you were high on McKinney, though, too. Do you think McKinney we'll see gets what happens. We'll see what happens. with, with uh, I don't know when I'm going to grade out McKinney and Delpit. But McKinney, I think, is also a first rounder. So we're going to... We're gonna find out. It's gonna be curious. Good football players. Good football players across the board on this in this game, eligible and not eligible. <laughs> there was just so much team speed going on, so much great execution, so much talent. What a treat that was for the national championship. If you're an LSU fan out there, congratulations. Your team mm-hmm. is the best team in college football, and it was extremely well deserved. Really, since since that Texas game, it has just been all LSU. It seems this season they have been in, on a collision course to this title. What a season it was. It was a lot of fun to watch. Very exciting. Very good football teams. No college football for what? Seven months? Man, what are you guys going to... There's guys never gonna, college football ever again. What are, what are you guys going to do for seven months? Oh, yeah. You're going to care about the draft. You're going to listen to this podcast. You're going to do a million mock draft simulations to draft all your favorite college football players to your favorite NFL team over at thedraftnetwork.com for the rest of the week. 
Ben and I are going to be at the Shrine Bowl practices here in St. Pete, Florida. Ben's actually at a hotel. Like, how many miles away are you? 30? 25? I don't know, like, like 32.6. I'm, a- I'm actually terrible with because you know how like some people just have like lapses in their judgment or whatever like or just like in things that they know or things can do well i'm super terrible with telling you how many miles it takes to get somewhere like if you were to just be like oh how far is um how far is you know tampa to orlando how many miles i'd be like if you said if you said 30 i'd be like oh yeah okay or if you said thirty thousand, i'd be like yeah yeah, yeah, that's about right (laughs) i have no idea Ben's down at the hotel, couple miles away from me. I'll give myself a loophole there because we're down here in St. Pete watching uh, one of our favorite all-star events of the year. Shrine Bowl, if you guys aren't following the draftnetwork.com on Twitter, do so because we're giving you all kinds of video updates throughout the day, throughout both practices, giving you all kinds of uh, tidbits and gems on some of these prospects that you might not know of, that you might wish you did down the road because your team's going to draft them and they were at this event. Then you go back and tell your friends that you already knew it because... You followed the Draft Network on Twitter. See? Just looking out for you guys. Ben and I are going to be back all week talking about Shrine Prospects and NFL Playoffs. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.